0: Is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is the full story. It came from out of this world. A sheep farm is not somewhere you'd expect to find something from outer space. But that's exactly what's been discovered in southern New South Wales debris from a spacecraft built by Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. A large boom was heard by locals in the region on July 9. People had taken to social media that day to report debris falling from the sky. And on Saturday... Developing now debris from a 23-ton Chinese rocket booster just hurtled uncontrollably back to Earth. ...reportedly falling just metres from villages in Malaysia and Indonesia and prompting criticism from NASA. So why is more space junk falling to Earth? And is it dangerous? Today, a new era of space junk. It's Wednesday, the 10th of August. Um, Brad, can we just start with your name and your title for the tape, please?
1: Uh, Dr. Brad Tucker, I'm an astrophysicist at the ANU in Canberra.
0: Dr. Brad Tucker's research focuses on supernovas and black holes. And he often gets a lot of calls from people thinking that they've seen something from outer space.
1: Not usually someone hunting down space junk, but sometimes your moonlight as one. Last month,
0: sheep farmers Jock Wallace and Mick Miners found what they described as a scorched object on their property in Dalgetty, New South Wales. So they decided to get in touch with Dr Tucker. Where were you when you got the call about space junk in southern New South Wales?
1: So what happened was Jock Wallace's mother-in-law is a regular listener to that radio station where I often talk about space. And this was from ABC Southeast, the local ABC radio station. So she said, hey, call in and maybe this guy, meaning me, could help out. You know, it's an interesting call when they always describe saying... All right, this may be weird, but so I was sitting in my office and then I was and then they said, hey, you know, they think they found this space junk. They had photos and sent me the photos. I was like, great. And then I saw the photos about 10 minutes later in my email. I'm like, whoa, this is truly something special. And and I think the other difference and again, this case was the area they were in. Hmm. was directly under the flight path of the SpaceX Crew-1 trunk, which was so well-documented re-entering and observed, it was a rare case where we could quickly figure out this had the high chance of being real.
0: For people who are not aware, what is SpaceX Dragon?
1: So the SpaceX Dragon is their capsule to take humans into space. And this was a big deal. This was... a a contract essentially given by NASA to SpaceX. They also award one to Boeing to provide a way for NASA astronauts to get into space. Mm. And the first mission called Crew-1 was enacted and enabled and it was launched in November 2020. And so November 2020 four astronauts went up and so they spent six months in the space station and then came back down uh, in May 2021. Except the Crew Dragon has two main parts. They have the capsule where the astronauts sit in and then they have what's called the trunk. This is the bottom part, unpressurized, but it's used for equipment and essentially for the flight. So when they re-enter the Earth, they no longer need it. And in fact, aerodynamically and, and the way the operation of the capsule is, they have to jettison it or abandon it in space in order for them to land safely. So this was abandoned back in May, 2021, and has been floating in space since re-entering uh, last month.
0: Right, so it was expected that we would find find this somewhere at some point, but we weren't sure exactly where.
1: It was going to re-enter the Earth at some point. The likelihood for all space, chunk is that it's going to land in the ocean. This has kind of always been the plan. The Earth is 70% ocean, so you kind of naturally plan on it. Most of, uh, of the uh, community is also moving towards purposely deorbiting it. That is... You steer it deliberately into the ocean so that it can re-burn up over the ocean and, and not land on land. Um, that is always part of the plan. Occasionally it does come down early or uncontrolled or unintentionally and comes down on land and this happened to be one of those rare cases.
0: Describe what you saw when you got there.
1: It kind of just looks like a burnt tree.
0: I When I first saw it, I thought it was a... Oh, loosen mouth. Well, um, it looks like a dead tree? Yeah, well, it does now that I know it's there. But when the first thing I looked when it was foggy,
1: that's what I thought what it was. And then, as you get closer and closer, you start noticing. All right, it's a bit weird. And then, kind of, you know, about fifty meters out, you're. It's strange. You can start to see. Cabling, so kind of this is a carbon mesh, and what it's doing is to insulate. Um, both around any cabling and any wires. Now, keeping in mind, this has to withstand intense heat. It really reminded me of 2001 A Space Odyssey in terms of the shape and it sticking out of the ground. And a lot of people in the photos think, oh, it looks furry. And I'm like, hey, it's furry. But this is because of the carbon fiber insulation that's there that's been burnt. It's also kind of curved. And it's also just sticking out of the ground. It, we, we estimated about three meters tall. So we, we thought there's probably 30 to 50 centimeters with it in the ground. So deep, but not super deep. And so it looks so strange. And then it looks so out of place nearby because you roll it, look around in every direction. It's just
0: trees. (laughs) Can you sort of talk me through what were the telltale signs that you used to verify that it was very likely from the SpaceX Dragon?
1: Seeing the materials, seeing the way it was, and then looking at photos, and a lot of other people did this as well, trying to match up where it came from. And you can kind of see, all right, yeah, that's probably the fin. This is probably the main skirting of the trunk. You can kind of see how it would come together and where it would come from and and all those sorts of things. And and the final bit, which was quite useful in this whole process, was uh, the smaller piece, Jock's piece, that was not built into the ground, had part numbers. And what this meant was you can just send it to SpaceX and say... Yes or no? There, there was no ambiguity. There was, you know, it doesn't say SpaceX. You know, sorry, here's our space junk. If found, please return. But <laughs> that there would were clearly, useful. That would have been useful. <laughs> but there were clearly internal part numbers that we can send to them and say, you know, yes or no, uh, which eventually did help with the confirmation part.
0: Oh, and how did Mick and Jock? react? How did they feel about it when they found out that it was definitely space junk and it was definitely from SpaceX?
1: They were relieved when I said it was real because again, they were making sure they weren't losing their minds. There wasn't a joke being played on them. They weren't trying to go off to make money. They're not trying to go off to collect pieces of space junk. They were coming from a very admirable point of what is this and what are our obligations to do the right thing?
0: Natasha, you've been covering rural affairs for a while now.
2: What did you think when you found out about this story? I've been used to reporting on the economics of fertiliser and rural doctor shortages. So, yeah, reporting on Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX company is definitely out of the usual.
0: Natasha May is a reporter for Guardian Australia.
2: It seems crazy that space junk could
0: end up on a sheep farm in rural New South Wales. What do we actually know about how it landed on Earth?
2: Well, we know it's from SpaceX because the Australian Space Agency confirmed that it, it's from the spacecraft the company built, but it hasn't been confirmed yet uh, whether it's from the SpaceX Dragon, and the company hasn't yet responded to any uh, of the media inquiries that we've sent from Guardian Australia. So I spoke to Dr. Sarah Webb who's an astrophysicist at Swinburne University, who told me that any space debris that doesn't burn up upon re-entry into the atmosphere is supposed to splash down at a point called Point Nemo in the Pacific Ocean, which is the furthest point away from any landmass. And so the space junk that was found on the farm in New South Wales obviously didn't land in the water. But this kind of landing is pretty unusual. And Dr. Webb told me it's possible that the debris could have bounced around and bounced further away from where it initially landed. And I'm
0: wondering how this space debris managed not to cause any damage as it fell to
1: the Earth.
2: Well, Dr. Tucker said it didn't create a massive crater because it didn't hit Earth that
1: quickly. They fall relatively slowly, like still fast, but when they hit the Earth's atmosphere at about you know, 25 or so thousand kilometers an hour, Most of the energy is lost in it breaking apart. Again, this is a design, which means when those fragments fall, they fall more like free fall. So yes, they fall fast, but they're not going to leave this gigantic crater.
2: So when the capsule hit the Earth's atmosphere, it lost most of its speed because all of the energy was absorbed into the atmosphere, causing it to break apart. He also says it would have heated up for a short period, going through Earth's atmosphere, but would have been cold, having mostly orbited through space where it is cold.:
1: It also doesn't land down hot. A lot of people think that meteors or anything coming down come down in this fiery flame, but yes, they burn up upon reentry, but that's actually a small part of the path. Think about: it. space is hundreds of degrees below zero. Uh, You know, it can get down to minus 150, minus 180 degrees Celsius. So it's been sitting in space frozen essentially for for a year. And then it slightly heats up for a few seconds, but then it goes into the upper atmosphere, which is also super cold. So it's kind of like you take the the pizza out of the freezer, you put it in the microwave or the oven for three seconds, and you put it back in the freezer. It doesn't land as this fiery hot thing. So a lot of people think, oh, it's going to leave this huge scorched... Well, no, it's not.
0: So, Natasha, this
2: seems like a pretty wild story. So how often does this kind of thing happen? The answer is not very often. So I guess a brief history of when it has happened before.
1: The first famous one was actually Skylab in Western Australia in 1979. The US Space Station crashed over Esperance in a large area. Uh, That was uncontrolled. there was another incident in the 80s.
2: There was a nuclear power Russian satellite that crashed in Canada.
1: And then we've seen quite a bit lately. We've seen a Chinese rocket along March 5B, Breaking apart over West Africa a few years ago.
2: That rocket damaged several buildings on the Ivory Coast and there was no injury reported, luckily. And a SpaceX had a part of a booster crash in the US state of Washington last year.
1: We also had the scare of the Chinese same rocket coming down uncontrolled, breaking over Malaysia but landing in the ocean uh, the other weekend. And this... So,
0: Natasha, Dr Tucker told me about the most recent documented space junk to land on Earth. Unlike the space junk in New South Wales, which was in a large paddock far away from humans, this was reportedly found just metres from villages in Malaysia and Indonesia.
2: What happened? So, my colleague Jordan Beasley reported on this, and what she said was that it started with a series of videos posted to social media from residents in Malaysia. I think I have a video here. Let's have a look at what it looks like.
0: Oh, wow. It's just like
2: one bright light and followed by like a trail of blue. And it's just, it's almost like a shooting star. I I can't even imagine what it would have been like to see that in person. It's eerily beautiful, but also I can't imagine how scary it is for people that this is your home and that you're wondering what's happening, am I safe?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing that people were actually able to watch this come down before their eyes. What did the Malaysians
2: who saw this think it was? So some people reported that they thought it was a shooting star. Another resident told local media he was caught by surprise at about 12.40am by thunderous noise and a tremor that shook his house. And then on Sunday, Malaysian media reported that a charred ring of metal about five meters in diameter was found in Kalimantan in Indonesia. And a smaller piece of metal wedged half a meter into the ground was also found in Sarawak in Malaysia. Thankfully, no injuries were reported, but local media said two families were evacuated from their homes in Sarawak because of concerns about radioactivity. Wow. So where did this debris come from? Well, China's now confirmed that the debris is from the final stage of its long March 5B rocket. My colleague Helen Davidson, our Taiwan correspondent, reported last month that part of the rocket was going to plummet to the Earth at 15,000 miles an hour and that space junk could be scattered from it. China's received some criticism over this. On Saturday, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson chided China for not sharing information on the descent of the rocket, saying it was irresponsible and risky. Wow. I mean, it sounds
0: pretty dangerous. And even though it's important to keep in mind that space junk re entering the Earth uncontrolled is pretty rare, the ANU's Brad Tucker told me that this has happened more frequently in recent years.
1: I think it just goes to show at the rate we're sending things in, this is becoming a bigger and bigger worry because of just the sheer volume of rockets going up. I mean, just the other day, there was four rockets that launched into orbit with multiple satellites and 17 what we call suborbital rocket launches. 21 different rocket launches on a single day last week.
0: Next, the dangers of space junk and how space law could help prevent them. So, is falling space debris dangerous? Because it sounds like it really can be.
2: It definitely can be. The recent event in Australia, as well as the Chinese booster rocket, which made an uncontrolled return to Earth on the weekend, underscored the importance of tracking space debris. Sarah Webb said the Chinese booster rocket was particularly large. Even if 80% of it burnt up, you're still left with basically a car coming out of the atmosphere. Those were her words.
1: You do have to worry about the materials. One of the things I immediately wanted to make sure was that there's something called hydrazine. This is often a fuel source for thrusters on spacecraft. It is nasty, carcinogenic. You do not want to be around it. Now, I knew this was from also confirming with other people in the field that it was not present on the trunk. So I wasn't worried about that. But the average person doesn't know this, whether that it's a risk or not. And, you, and again, if you don't know where the junk is from, you have to assume it may be that. And even if you are expert like me and you don't know everything, you do have to exercise a degree of caution.
0: So, Natasha, are there any international laws that regulate how we manage this kind of risk?
2: Well, most countries with space programs design their rockets to make sure they avoid incidents like the one in Malaysia. In other words, entering the Earth's atmosphere uncontrolled. But there is no comprehensive international regulations around how space junk is monitored, which Dr. Webb says is a problem because as we're launching more things into space, we really need to be tracking them to make make sure that they don't come crashing down to populated areas.
0: Yeah, this is something that Dr. Tucker says is actively being discussed in the space community, this issue of how to improve international laws so that they better deal with the risks involved in space junk around the world.
1: It's kind of where it becomes tricky. There are clear things that say in the law what your obligations are, but then there are things that are just standards that you should adhere to but are not in the law or not in the treaties, and this becomes the problem... How do we deal with this problem and how do we ensure this problem doesn't happen again? And, and what governance and laws and policies do we need to make that a, a real thing?
0: So what's going to happen to these pieces of debris that have recently been found in Australia?
1: So, and this is where the international law says right now, it's still SpaceX's property. The, U- the Australia has a duty to return it to the U.S., to the FAA, who, who's acting on behalf of SpaceX. But there's also then liabilities that come with it. Li- SpaceX assumes liability for any damages. No one was hurt or injured, but damages can mean lots of things in the eyes of the law. So SpaceX has to decide whether they want it or not. Now, there, you could say they don't want it because it was junk intended for the ocean, which is likely. You could say they do want it, so... If they think some of their design is obvious that they don't want other people to learn, there could be lots of reasons they want it back. And Australia has a legal obligation to return it.
2: So a spokesperson for ASA told me they're working to return the pieces of debris operating under the Australian Government Space Reentry Debris Plan. So SpaceX is coming to Australia. They've got a team. that are going to come uh, check out the sites where the space junk has been found. But we don't know yet whether they're going to take it back to America because they're still in discussions with ASA about that.
0: And now that we've confirmed that the Australian space junk is from a SpaceX craft, that means that there may be more pieces from it lying around in other parts of the country. Do we know whereabouts they could be?
1: I mean, any long along the flight path, which is from, started to break up in Albury, we kind of know based on sightings, to the coast, i.e. kind of a diagonal line, the width of New South Wales almost. Wow. And when it's breaking apart and reentering, it's traveling so fast, it could be discovered over a large area. Uh, new pieces that have been found since uh, the story came uh, were much closer to Jindabyne, you know, a good 30 kilometers, 40 kilometers away. And-, and You know, mixed piece that stuck out of the ground was obvious only when you got close to it. If you have a piece that's smaller or just lying flat on the ground, it it may be weeks, months, years.
0: And so, Natasha, how is the Australian Space Agency managing the risks of falling space debris?
2: A spokesperson for the agency said the organisation was committed to the long-term sustainability of outer space activities, including debris mitigation. So debris mitigation, for those who don't know, shockingly, um, includes ongoing development of a space situational awareness and debris mitigation roadmap to guide opportunities in this important area.
0: Yeah, Dr. Tucker said that there were lots of opportunities for Australia to help guide the way we can make this area more safe, including better regulating how and when rockets are launched in the first place.
1: That is, if you want to go into space, you cannot get a license to launch if you don't know how it's going to come down. Uh, you need the ability to do tracking. This is a big thing, right? You know, We have a industry that is fully committed to working together and following the guidelines of the space agency and the wishes of the space agency. What we're trying to do is we're working together all as one and we're all going to adopt this because this is just what we need to do. And because it's coming at a a new time and and the new way space is happening, a lot of people are happy with that. And that the space agency is being proactive uh, in trying to do and mitigate these things so that we don't have problems.
2: When you think about what happened, on the one hand, uh, it was a really fun story to report on because it's this crazy story of these two sheep farmers finding space junk in their sheep paddocks. But on the other hand, it definitely would have been a much less fun story to report on if anyone had gotten hurt from the incident. So I think, um, yeah, just the kind of messaging that these experts have about the fact that we're... We've gotten lucky that no one has gotten hurt, that hopefully there is going to be more action to kind of make sure that the right regulations are in place to make sure that as more things go up into space that they continue to come down in a way that's not putting people's lives at risk. Thanks to Dr Brad Tucker, astrophysicist and
0: research fellow at the Australian National University, and Natasha May, reporter for Guardian Australia. You can read more of Natasha's coverage of the SpaceX capsule that was found on the Australian farm at theguardian.com. Our colleague Jordan Beasley also wrote about the uncontrolled re-entry of a Chinese booster rocket over the weekend in an article called Chinese Rocket Re-Entry. Suspected debris lands in Malaysia and Indonesia. We'll post links to these articles on the Full Story website. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, Joey Watson and myself. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. Full Stories executive producers are Gabrielle Jackson, Miles Martignoni, Molly Glassie, and Laura Murphy Oates. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.